So if you've been following the headlines recently, going back to uh, late 2022, December of 2022, you know, and we've talked about it here on the air, energy companies are really, really having a good go of it right now. <laughs> they are doing incredibly well. Here's just some examples. Suncor, their fourth quarter profits in 2022, up $2.7 billion, a 76% increase. Uh, the big five, as they're called, that includes Shell, Exxon, things like that. Uh, they raked in close to $200 billion globally, profits in oil and gas in 2022. So this is oil and gas profits around the world for the year of 2022 were $4 trillion. That's with a T, which is basically triple the average of recent years. Triple to $4 trillion. Usually, it's about a trillion and a half. I mean, hey... It's a good industry to be in. Uh, it's really good right now. Not surprisingly, it's the best year ever for the oil and gas industry when it comes to revenue and profit. Um, there has never been profits like this before, ever. So so how, what, what do we make of this? Uh, you don't want to make too much of any one snapshot in time. However, this is the industry that some have us believing is currently being destroyed, right, by by governments, including the one in Ottawa, um, or it's on the road to destruction. So So what's up? Meanwhile, the crowd that's been telling us oil and gas is dead, certainly doesn't look like it, at least not yet. The truth, of course, lies somewhere in the middle. And I think, once again, it's all about timing. So let's talk a bit about these numbers and, and what we can make of it. We're going to chat with Dave Yeager, an energy policy analyst, an oil and gas writer, and the author of From Miracle to Menace, Alberta, A Carbon Story. Dave, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate your time. Yeah, good morning. So these numbers, I mean, they're truly mind-boggling. They really and truly are. Let's start there. Let's just define why it's happening. It's simple supply and demand when it comes to oil, right? Oh, I don't know about the word mind-boggling. <laughs> Triple the usual sorry, number? I'd be looking at the tech sector and banks if you want to see mind, consistent mind-boggling profits, but that notwithstanding. No, they had a they had a good year. I mean, production has continued to ramp up. The, after the, great, the interesting thing about oil companies, it doesn't get much credit, is how much they had to slash costs to be here in 2022. Yeah. You know, this is, this is an area that people don't understand. Like, in tw you know, the, as we know, jobs are down. Costs are down. I mean, they're doing things in the oil sands in their terms of their operating costs. I mean, going into the down cycle, which really started in 2015 when the oil price collapsed, occurred. You know, they said the oil sands operators needed 80 bucks a barrel or whatever. Right. Yeah. They a big number, right? I mean, this is the most expensive oil on earth. But necessity is the mother of invention. And so to stay in business, uh, these people have done uh, things that extraordinary things with their operating costs and their, uh, and their cash flow. So now that oil's back up, uh, they're, you know, back in the chips for the moment. I don't believe, uh, this is sustainable for a reason, a bunch of reasons we can get to. But, mm -hmm. you know, the good news is in 2022, um, the survivors did really well because of extraordinary events that were nobody really planned for, like Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, because sure. the over, the renewables were oversold, that the idea that we could get out of the oil business was, was more uh, fiction than fact. And so the survivors had a great year, and Suncor's one of them. Yeah, and, and you know, you're right. It's kind of simplistic to say, oh, well, you got the, 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 uh, the war in Russia, and that drove up the global price. Sure, it did, and that's part of it. But like you say, don't overlook the, the other parts and the way these businesses have streamlined and caught costs and uh, cut costs and, and put themselves in a position to capitalize. I mean, some credit is due there, too. Well, it's uh, one. Okay, this is there's two sides to this. One yeah. is that indeed they cut their costs. Uh, on the other side, a whole bunch of people lost their jobs. 
And so, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, you have to remember that there's always a, another side in this trade, but they did what they had to do. Most of what, a lot of it's come from operating efficiencies, uh, which have been extraordinary, is figuring out how to, how to make the best of what they have. Suncor, of course, is the legacy oil sands producer, great Canadian oil sands that dates back to the 60s. So they've been at it for quite a while, and they're pretty good at it. And so, but, that, but then the other place to look is, is with these one pleasant surprise profits, because if you're in the business, is Alberta Treasury. You know, the, the royalty income from the oil sands, that ship finally came in after years of waiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everybody, you know, in a, in a way, all Albertans benefit from this, although you wouldn't know it. But I'm reading the news every day. So, Dave, I'm seeing on the text line already, and this is part of the question. I mean, everybody's saying, well, wait a minute. Now the government's coming up with a plan to pay them to take care of their own wills. They've got so much money. Other people are saying, well, where's the jobs? They haven't hired anybody. They're just buying back. I mean, what does this kind of profit margin and the amount of money these oil and gas companies, what's a reasonable expectation? I mean, should, because they're not investing the way that they have in the past. I mean, what does it tell us about where we're headed? Well, the first thing I tell you about the first question is uh, the record profits and the uh, Suncor doesn't own any one right, of the yeah, wells yeah. that needs cleaning up. None. Okay. I was looking at their balance sheet this morning and they have a really off-joker uh, $9 billion reserve liability to reclaim their assets. But the, pro- the thing is the people that are making the money, like when you talk about the industry as the industry, it's not one homogeneous blob where one outfit owns everything. Uh, a lot of the companies that are making the money aren't the same ones with the legacy assets, and okay. that would be quite helpful if people would appreciate that, that who owns these legacy assets and why they own them. Is a, isn't there a why aren't they hiring people? Well, this because one of the big uh, specters looming over the oil sands is the emission caps, mm-hmm. is that this is the place that's supposed to cut their emissions by uh, uh, 42% by 2030, and although they're getting some tax credits, they're going to need a lot of cash, uh, the other thing they're doing is paying down debt. I looked up their balance sheet just uh, for this for this question, and they paid down their long-term debt by $4 billion. Like one of the things everybody went into the high year, they had to borrow too much money to stay in business until 20 and 21 and 21, 22. So there's a lot of balance sheet repair. As for the high dividends, well, again, this is you know, with the oil industry, exactly what producers ought to do with their money. <laughs> There's as many ideas as there are Albertans on what, no, they, right. ought not, yeah, on what they ought not, not to do. Uh, but one of the areas uh, that, that uh, you know, Suncor was seen as underperforming, and there's this Elliott management um, uh, activist investor that claimed the company was poorly run and had a poor safety record. They tried to sell the downstream of business. They raised heck, got a few seats on the board. And this is the same thing that happened to ExxonMobil uh, by a little outfit called Engine One out of California at a great can fair. So a lot of these activist investors are getting all these boards and claiming what they, they do. One of the things they claim they ought to do is pay higher dividends. And one of the, and again, one, and, the, and the reason the investment community is demanding higher dividends because everybody else is trying to put them out of business. So get your cash out while you can. The, the forces at play on today's oil company are, are really quite remarkable, and they're different than they have been before. And, I mean, thanks for calling. Every time somebody like <laughs> you calls and asks me about this, I go, hallelujah, we can talk about something other than big, bad oil companies looking for handouts. It's just not fair. Fair enough. And I think, you know what, we, we do need to give credit where credit's due. And I think they're working pretty hard on a lot of the things that government talks about. And I, to me, Dave, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, I think, 
I, we can sit here and listen to Trudeau and all the re- any politician say all the things that they want. At the end of the day, there's a reality that exists, and that's where the industry is. They're dealing with the reality with a mind to this aspirational, ambitional, uh, ambitious stuff that the governments talk about, but recognizing there's a reality that we need to deal with, and that's sort of where we are now. There is a demand for oil that's gone up. We need to mm-hmm. meet that, and at the same time, we need to protect ourselves because we don't know what's going to happen around the corner. There's been, we've just come through a period of multiple years when the when the only good oil company was a dead one. I right, mean, there's yeah. been a, a global effort to put Alberta, put not only put the world oil industry out of Alberta, but Alberta's oil sands in particular uh, were the poster child for everything wrong with oil and gas for all back to the tar sands campaign in 2008. So if you're sitting there at the board of an oil center, you know, what, what do you do if you're a director of the company? You got the shareholders telling you, you got to decarbonize on one hand. You got uh, Europe, uh, pleading for more oil and gas on the other. I mean, if you want the classic, uh, if you want the classic suck and blow of what to do with oil, go to Joe Biden. You know, there's a guy that campaigned on putting them out of business and routinely pillories Oxxon Mobile for not drilling more wealth. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? Or trots you know, off they, to Saudi they, Arabia or Venezuela and asks them to open whatever, up the yeah. Could you give me, yeah, would you please, yeah, I mean, he goes makes deals with the rottenest guys in the world to get more oil, to keep the price down so he can win the election, drains the strategic petroleum reserve, subsidize renewables, and then berates the oil companies for not hiring more people and drilling more well. So if you're sitting on the board, now what may happen is I do believe that there's been a reality check in the last couple of years with the global view on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. We're finding mm-hmm. a lot of the activist investment fans or, uh, funds are saying, well, we were just kidding. You know, maybe the dividends, <laughs> maybe the dividends are all right, you know. And so if, if we could just do the same thing a couple of years in a row, uh, then, then I think that, uh, you know, things might change, but we, we haven't been able to do that. We're, we're in turmoil. You know, everybody goes, the, 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 it's not even the first anniversary of the big price spike. Yeah. That accompanied the Russian invasion into Ukraine. And these, these big companies are like super tankers. They, they can't exactly pivot, you know, turn around on Lake Wadman. So, uh, so, um, there you go. So I'm, uh, you know, the, the question is, is are the profits higher? I, you, I did, I objected to your adjective. Everybody likes to say that. But I haven't heard obscene <laughs> profits yet. I love the people who call them obscene because they're an expert. Well, there are people calling for windfall taxes. I mean, maybe they haven't said obscene, but the implications there. Of course they are. That goes back. I mean, you know, give me 10 different people on what an oil company should do. And, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you 10 different answers. You know, cut the price of gasoline. You charge, you, what the, here's what they want. Pay higher taxes. Cut the price of gasoline. You know, go <laughs> and go out of business all at the same time. It's, it's, it's astonishing, really. But Suncor's, you know, homegrown, right back. Uh, great yeah, Canadian yeah. oil sands. It's uh, one of the legacy assets in the business. They're a big producer. I looked at 800,000 barrels a day. That's a meaningful amount of oil. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They've got a resource base that can go for years. They're committed to, uh, through the Pathways Alliance, they're committed to decarbonization. They're not going to make the 2030 target, but they want to stay in business for a long time to keep their social license. Uh, they're going to have to figure out how to capture their yep. CO2 yep. and get rid of it. Uh, small modular reactors, maybe that's in the cards. Maybe they'll quit burning natural gas for heat. Um, you know, I'm ho- I believe that if these people manage it properly, uh, oil will be made obsolete, and I'm hoping that when the last barrel of oil, this is responsible oil in this area. They care about safety. They care about the environment. They care about emissions. Uh, they're accountable to the governments. Um, they're not. They're not back in uh, military incursions into foreign countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're they're, demo- they're democratic. The boards are democratic. Everything's democratic. I mean, you got to buy your oil from anybody. Buy it from Suncor. 
Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, Dave, yeah. That, that, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to, is the oil industry is going to exist for however long it exists, and we need to make, we have all these, we, we get ahead of ourselves is basically what it is, and then we get the reality check is what's happening now. At least that's my take. Um, okay, the debate. The oil industry's got record profits. Why aren't they cleaning up these wells? Okay, I just we just got to dig a little deeper into this thing. Okay, quickly. I've okay. only got about a minute. Well, that's all. Just you know, this has been a, a, a great, a great issue. But but over the time, the the, the 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 companies that are making all the profits today aren't the ones that actually own the assets that need cleaning right. up. Yeah. Just for yeah. the record. Yeah. So that's all. So you take a company that's got a. Well, this is, I think, what the premier's trying to do. I haven't seen the policy, but, uh, you know, you take a company that's got a, an old asset, a long-term liability they bought from one of these companies, and now the rules have changed, and it's real expensive to clean up. And and if they, they could go bankrupt doing it, and then it goes off to the Orphan Well Fund, or the, you know, and again, it's just, it's just... It's just such a complicated subject, and you know, I just every time you guys, every time you phone and say, "Dave, what's going on?" I'm just thrilled because <laughs> that's all I do. Well, no, at least you give me a chance, right? And I study this. I study this in excruciating detail. Yeah, yeah. I'm an energy policy nerd. Every time you call me, I say this is my favorite subject, and you know, thanks again. <laughs> no, I appreciate, it. And, and and we will call often because you often uh, put it into terms that uh, make sense, and uh, you know, it just you sort of listen to it and go, yeah, okay, I get it, that makes sense. So, uh, Dave, stand by, we'll call back again. <laughs> but I appreciate yeah, you being back. here today. Right. Have a great day, Alberta. Thanks for the call. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.